everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Uppy Dietitians podcast and season seven finale. Oh my gosh. I can't believe it. I feel like season seven flew by. We had a lot of fun this season, like trying mm-hmm. new things. And so I really love that. It wasn't quite as, as we say, principal's office-y. It was very, just two besties hanging around. So, so fun. Yeah, it was a good one. I think probably my favorite season so far. But we also might be getting better at what we're doing. I think we're a lot more comfortable. (laughs) We've gotten better with our quality. Yeah, I think you're right. It's a mix of the two, I think. Yeah. So yeah, we're going to take a short break for about four weeks with some throwback content like we do between all seasons. So stay tuned for some fun throwback things. Um, We'll be back in four weeks with brand new episodes for season eight season eight you know so crazy it's crazy but let's get to today's topic at hand today we're doing a story time we're talking all about why we became dietitians I I know we have very similar stories so I feel like I don't know I feel like we can kind of like go back and forth and sort of like go step by step through our stories and just share how they're a little yes. bit different because they are so similar <laughs> I feel like if yes. I told my whole story and then you told your your whole story it'd be, it'd just be like, like a repeat yeah. <laughs> yeah we'll go part by part I like that piece by piece okay well I can go first um where do I start actually now that I say this I mean when talking about disordered eating, which ultimately is what led to me becoming a dietitian. How far back do you go? Right? Like if it's generational dieting, we're going back decades. I don't have a lot of memories of like elementary school, middle school, like disordered eating thoughts and behaviors. It definitely started more so in high school when I got more serious about sports. I played soccer my entire life. I did play volleyball and basketball a little bit, but nowhere near as seriously as soccer. I consider playing in college, but as I'll get to, I decided not to. Um, so very serious about it. I was playing it year round. I played travel. We were always on weekends, like going to Columbus or other big cities in the tri-state area for tournaments and stuff. And so because I was so serious about it, like, of course, diet plays a huge role in this and uh, a lot of diet talk coming from like coaches and teammates, social media, of course. I know we've discussed Pinterest before, but Pinterest was a really big one for me, like doing the Pinterest workouts to like get faster with our mile times and all that kind of stuff. I guess I'll kind of hand it off to you, Emily. That was sort of my, I guess, starting point was high school sports, and thinking about how food and exercise kind of tie together. Yes. So mine is very similar, but I think the initial start of it looked a little bit differently. So I also grew up playing sports. I, I would also say that my disordered eating began in high school and what kind of triggered it is like growing up, My parents put me in every single sport possible to try to figure out what I liked. I stuck with primarily soccer, but then I did not continue soccer in high school because soccer goals were kind of mean at my school. (laughs) True. Um, 
And that's I universal, not, by the way. Yeah. I was bullied actually by quite a few of them. So I was like, eh, I'm going to do my other things that I like. So I also grew up playing tennis and running track. So I ended up going those different avenues instead. But what triggered mine the most was like always growing up. And like when you say these comments, when I would hear these comments, it didn't really mean anything until things started changing. And that'll make more sense when I explain a little bit better. But I was always like the athletic friend and like the very skinny, quite like bony, now that I look back (laughs) on it, friend. But like all my friends would always tell me like how fit I was. And I was like an elementary middle schooler. I'm like, that was the least of my concern. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go hope I play well in my soccer game or I'm going to hope I go perform well in whatever it is. But then junior year of high school, I had taken on too much academically. Well, also that was when I started, I got my driver's license then. So like that whole can of worms, um, AP testing, uh, AP, not AP, AP testing was at the end, ACT, SAT, like all that was happening junior year. And I started to develop some disordered easing, eating as like a coping mechanism for the mm-hmm. stress. So that's when my binge eating kind of started developing and a lot of changes started happening to my body because of it. And that's when I started to be like, oh, I'm no longer hearing the comments from my friends about how athletic and fit I am. My like track times are going down. I'm not feeling as good doing whatever exercise. And then I also was kind of in the Pinterest game with you. But what was it with like 2010 Pinterest? Pinterest had a grasp on it. It really did. Um, but yeah, it was mine were more, I would say, were yours you were talking about like getting faster and mm-hmm. workouts like that. Mine was very much like manipulation of trying to manipulate my mm-hmm. body as quickly as possible because I experienced such a quick change in my body with the binge eating. Yeah. Yeah. Mine was definitely much more like performance-based and that definitely carried on into college as I'll get to, but a lot of body image stuff too. Like I was also like the athletic friend and my best friend, I played soccer with my whole life and we're still really good friends. She just has a very different body than I do. And so that I think was a really big struggle for me growing up. Actually, I know it was, I think back on that all the time now. I'm like, why that played like such a huge role on my brain. Like the fact that we just look so different. Like yeah. I would like compare how our thighs look in our soccer shorts and how our calves looked. And we just have completely different bodies. And she has the kind of, you know, body type where she eats whatever she wants and her, she stays very, very thin no matter what. And I just don't have that exact same body or metabolism because that's not how bodies work. And I also remember how do I want to word this? My legs are a lot more like bigger and muscular than my upper body is. And I just have like, I just have big legs relative to the rest of my body. And I remember this other girl, like this new girl that like transferred people were like talking about her calves being like really big and ugly and like making fun of them while we were like in the lunch line. And she was like in front of us in lunch line. And I was like, Oh, well I have calves a lot like hers. Like 
guess they don't like my calves either. Like what it's saying about my calves when I'm like behind them in the lunch line. And so just like stuff like that, I feel like in like high school, especially in middle school too, but high school in my experience, we're just like all talking about that all the time. Like everyone else's bodies. And especially if you play sports, it's like, oh, I bet you would be a lot better of a soccer player if you, you know, lost 15 pounds or if your legs look differently, or if you had better abs, which was a big part of my coach and like his point of view was a lot of like body talk like that too. And it's just, it's craziness that we talk about that that mm-hmm. much. And I'm like wondering, I look back and I'm like, why are we talking about our bodies so much? Cause like that is such a vulnerable time from a changing, like your body changes so much, especially during high school. And we're all so obsessed with it. And I think it, what a lot of it was like, what we heard like in our homes or like what we see on social media like social we grew up in the age of social media um so we had the pleasure (laughs) of experiencing advertising in a completely different way that's a lot more accessible to us but now we're getting exposed to it even more and also like we know now as adults how harmful those comments can be and why not to make comments like that? But also it's different. I feel like coming from like your peers yeah, at that age. And it's crazy because I look back and the way I see my body, like in pictures at that time, looks totally different than how I was perceiving it back then. It's absolutely mm-hmm. insane. That's why I always say like your body image has very little to do with what your body actually looks like. It's about how you're perceiving it based on all of these other preconceived notions and external things that are impacting the way you view it and there's so many more interesting things about ourselves than what like, we're, we're like. playing Especially sports then. and like considering yeah. like what colleges we want to go to and like we've got all these classes and we're learning so much and there's like boyfriends everyone's like getting and dumping and whatever like there's so many more things to talk about besides our calves and I guess to kind of like go into my next point I played soccer, like I said, and that was the same season as volleyball season. And I remember it was mostly like us as a team, like the girls soccer team would all like joke about this, but then we would also like get validation that it's true from like all the guys that went to the volleyball games. And that was that because soccer players wear like long ish shorts and we've got our high knee high socks and shirts that are, you know, baggy jerseys we didn't get quite the turnout that the girls volleyball team did because they've got their spandex shorts and their tight tops which is what they need to wear for their sport like it is much more functional for them but I remember like all of us just like always joking but also being serious about how because we didn't show as much we didn't have quite as much turnout and it's I don't know I think that just has a lot too about what people are looking for at that age. And I mean, even as adults too, that's, I can't say they're much better. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it starts that young and that you recognize it. Like you're aware. That's what I'm trying to say. Yes. It starts that young. It's crazy. Did you have any coaches that you think played a role in anything? So I'm thinking back to my coaches And my problems with them, I think, don't even revolve around that, surprisingly, which is good. Yeah. Um, There were a lot of other problems with them. But 
I'm thinking like my, one of my worst coaches was my track coach freshman and sophomore year. He actually mm-hmm. like had some like essay allegations and like horrible person Oof. and like harassment, horrible person. I hated him. Everyone hated him, but he was just kind of like an a-hole. He just, mm-hmm. he made creepy comments but it was much more like predatory and not body shaming, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like he was a creep. Yeah. But did not body shame. <laughs> Can't say that's much better, but. No, still really awful. Still a terrible a person. person, it sounds like. <laughs> He's so we're actually learning the that worst. Even if you don't body shame, you can still be a bad person. You can person. still be terrible. <laughs> um, but not really, no. Honestly, That's like good. it was the comments from my friends that was yeah. like kind of hit me the most. And I've talked to a couple of them about it like now, mm. and they had no idea like the impact that those comments had. Yeah. But and that's the we funny were, thing like, too. Children. Is, exactly. And it's funny because like not everyone's even like impacted the same by it. Like people could have gotten the exact same comments as us. And because they don't have either the genetic predisposition or other things kind of coming into their brains, they might not have any negative impact from those types of conversations, but you never know how someone is going to, you know, react or what their mental health is going to progress to if you do make those comments, see, I might as well stay on the safe side and just, just not. <laughs> yes. Safer to say nothing. Yeah. Nothing at all. I want to hear the comments your coach said. I feel like uh, we've talked a little bit about this, but I don't think we've ever really gone super in depth. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel similar in that my coach definitely wasn't like the main driving force in me having disordered eating and body image issues, but definitely didn't help. <laughs> Mm-hmm. He just wasn't well-educated in that area. I mean, I don't know about you, but were your coaches also teachers in almost every sport? Same. Yeah. So I feel like that can be a disadvantage in that their education is in history or math, but they're teaching these growing girls how to play a sport and how to fuel their bodies. Like, yeah, not great. So I... it's hard to blame them when that is what they know, you know, but there there can be some malicious content or malicious intent, but also at the same time, in some cases, they often just don't know better too, which I mean, sucks. I wish I know like I went to public school and like, I know like a public school can't afford to have sports dietitians or like have girl soccer coaches that are experts in women's soccer. (laughs) Like, that's just not a realistic thing in high school or middle school, of course, at least in Fort Wayne, Indiana, Auburn, Indiana. Yeah, definitely not. No, definitely not. So again, same idea that like he wasn't the main driving force, but definitely didn't help. The The biggest thing I remember is doesn't really, I guess, relate too much to like the disordered eating progression, but more so just like his lack of knowledge and like his lack of knowledge yet still having the position he had to like talk about fitness and food with little growing girls. He would not let us lift weights. Like we would all advocate for having like at least like a weekly weightlifting session during season because we wanted to improve our performance. It's a great way to do so is to get stronger, build muscle. 
but he would not let us because he said that lifting weights is going to make you injured. And I, I don't want to say this if it's not true, but I have a feeling if I can recall correctly, it had something to do with us being girls. Cause like all the boys sports lifted weights every season, like the men, the boys (laughs) soccer got to lift weights, but women's soccer, girls soccer, we were not allowed to, because we would get injured and then we couldn't play our sport. Interesting how lifting weights can actually help injury prevention, prevent injury and make you a better athlete. Yeah. Yeah. So again, that didn't really directly relate to disordered eating, but it just kind of proves that these coaches don't really have the knowledge most of the time. I don't know. We would have like, um, what would we call it? I don't remember. Like we have like pre-season dinners. Oh, pasta dinners. Okay. Did you have those? Yeah. But our coaches never came because they were hosted by like one of the parents of mm, teammates, people are running with stuff like that. Yeah. Which was nice. It was like intentionally the coaches were not there. So we could like relax. That's good. That's good. I'm trying to remember if I feel like our coaches were always at our eating sessions, whether it was like on the bus ride home from an away game, the parents would all like bring stuff for us to eat. We'd have like um, film days where we'd like watch our games on tape and like eat pizza or whatever. And they were always there now that you mention it, which I feel like wasn't always the best because that's kind of my next point. They would sometimes comment on that kind of stuff. And I think more so though, it was like during practices, we did so much cardio for soccer, which is generally needed, but we did way more than we needed to, in my opinion, and not enough like skills work and weightlifting, for example. But anyway, I recall a lot of talk about like, oh, run faster. So you burn more calories. Let's do an extra mile to burn more calories. You guys just ate, you know, pizza this week. We got to make sure we burn that off. Like that kind of talk. I remember being very prevalent all the time. Mm -hmm. Not good to a very susceptible to disordered eating. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Group. Yeah. So like I said, coach wasn't the biggest impact. Definitely played a role though. But my most distinct memory, which I've talked about before on here, I'm pretty sure is when I did the paleo diet during high school soccer season. And I remember just feeling like absolute garbage when I did that because you get like no carbs basically or enough calories overall. Terrible, terrible time. Don't do that. No, I don't even know how you were functioning. It was so bad. I told the story of how I ate like canned tuna and spinach for lunch most days of the week. I will note, speaking of lack of knowledge with teachers being coaches, that was actually a positive driving my decision to become a dietitian. Because mm. I wanted, I was noticing the changes in my body, not happy about them, noticing how they affected my athletic performance, and then noticed how I started changing how I was eating. Maybe not for the best, but it would also impact my performance. Mm. And that actually was like probably one of the biggest driving factors to why I wanted to be a sports dietitian. Yeah. So it Let's- was. Kind- I even like asked my coaches if they could bring in a dietitian. They're like, yeah, mm. here we are. They did not. Here we are. <laughs> yeah. I think that's funny too. I think we should end with that. Like what we wanted to do as dietitians and where we are now. We'll, yes. we'll get to that. Where, where yeah. are they now? Where are like... they now? <laughs> but yeah, let's progress to like 
end of high school into college. I'd love to hear, yeah. I know you have a list here of like what schools you looked at, which I actually didn't know about. So I'd love to hear yeah. your story there. So at this point, end of high school, beginning of college, I was still very heavily, I don't think I really completely recovered from disordered eating till post-college. And like, even now, sometimes things come up where I'm like, oh, we're not doing well. (laughs) Um, But I was really, really gunning for a sports dietitian, being a sports dietitian. So I was like looking at the best sports nutrition programs. Purdue has a dual major, which we both ended up doing. Spoiler alert. And it has that fitness component along with the dietetics, which was my top choice. I was also looking at Michigan State. Obviously, we know they have good athletics and they have like the fueling station opportunities and everything. Ohio State. Obviously, we know they also are good at athletics. Their program, though, like very confusing. Whoever I talked to, the advisor was not great. So I did not end up going there. But their campus and gym is stunning. I will note that when I went there, I was I literally was like, I might go here just for the gym because it was so pretty. Um, And then I also looked at SLU, St. Louis University, because they had kind of a like athletic focus it wasn't really there though also like this is no hate anyone who's gone to SLU I have a lot of really great friends that went there when I toured there the vibe of the other people there just did not match my vibe and I was like my parents even like made fun of me they're like Emily you would not fit in here and I'm like I know I'm well aware I would not fit in here um, and I'm, of course I went to the one school that gave me no money cause I can't ever make it easy for myself. Um, so I went to Purdue. I think as soon as I heard about that dual major and also like all the work we could do with the athletics, I was like, yes, it was also my one reach school out of the four. And I was like, it was like kind of a pride thing where I was like, I can say I went to Purdue and here we are. <laughs> Here we are. It was very similar for me. I definitely had that interest in like sports in some way. I didn't quite know what it meant to be a sports dietitian until we went through all of that and like learned more there. But definitely the biggest reason for me too, why I chose Purdue is that they had the dual program where we could do the exercise classes and stuff as well, which yeah. ended up leading to me becoming a personal trainer. So that was always, that was good. I ended up really enjoying that part of college. I was this close to going to IU because Ross is a year ahead of me in college or he was, <laughs> we're no longer in college, thank, thank God. <laughs> but he was a year ahead of me and he went to IU. And while I wish we would have had that time together at the same college, I'm so glad I didn't go because you mentioned like SLU being like not the right personality type. I felt that exact same about IU. It's they're much more like, I don't know, social and want to have fun and I'm like no I'm a nerd who just wants to like learn about science very much give off Purdue energy and I say that as a compliment so but we're kind of trained not to like IU um so I'm a very biased source but I feel like you just make a lot more sense going to Purdue I think so too I I don't regret it at all I'm very glad I did not choose IU even though Ross was there Cause it could have been a very easy choice for me to just follow him and go where he went. Cause they have a dietetics program, not a dual program, which is also part of the reason why I didn't choose it. But 
yeah, I feel like I just wouldn't have fit in very well and I would have had a miserable time. Plus their gym is absolute poo-poo compared to the Corex. So we have a nice gym. I love the Corex so much. I think about it all the time. I miss working out there so much, even though it was partially to blame for my disordered eating and exercise habits, but it was beautiful and I love it. I saw someone post a video recently about it. I forget who it was. Someone that I follow that used to go there was like visiting and they've like changed up the entire like deadlift area. Oh, oh. so amazing. <laughs> Because for those of you listening who maybe are a Purdue student right now, I know we have some Purdue's that are Tud Buds. Also, we love you. Thank you for being here. But <laughs> for those of you who are current Purdue students, I need you to, to know that when we first started, there was, let's see, like four squat racks and I think like two or four deadlift platforms on like that bottom level. There were barely any. It barely any. I remember it was like my sophomore, junior year, they ended up like double doubling the squat racks like back to back and so they had yeah. at least twice as many and then they like made the whole platform room but now they've even more than that which is awesome for the students now but yeah consider yourself lucky if you are currently enjoying the co-rec <laughs> yes absolutely yeah um, well, I'm glad you didn't go to IU me too this would not to we wouldn't would have a podcast if we if I went to IU I know Mm-mm. quick question this is not related to our story at all was wait okay but you were dating ross i was gonna ask if he was looking at different like other schools mm. and then i was like would you guys have even ended up together but you guys met pre-college yeah it all worked out now we live together and we're no longer long distance but those were crazy times it's true Moral of the story being, do not follow your boyfriend to college if it's not the right college for you. Do not do that. Absolutely. So glad I made that choice. Um, Okay. (laughs) Let's talk about how our disordered eating sort of, I know we discussed it a little bit, but what was happening in college, I guess more so, and maybe how that progressed into graduation where we are now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I don't think we have to talk about it too, too much because we have a whole episode. Go listen yeah. to our episode where we talk fully in depth about all of our disordered eating. But we can definitely, I think, talk about how it's changed us to where we are now. Yeah. Or even not even if that did affect it. Because I will note, like, working with the sports dietitians, I still thought I wanted to be a sports dietitian all throughout college. And then I get into grad school. And then COVID hit and I was like, LOL, job security is something I want. <laughs> and I was like, not sports. I also did not want to live in the middle of nowhere. No offense to you. But throughout, I would say disordered eating wise, it was probably like exasperated a little bit because of what we were talking about with BMI, you know how much I love to calculate my BMI. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Oh my gosh. uh, You just like brought back a memory. I like visualize us sitting in a lecture hall and you just like go into town on your BMI that day. (laughs) Anytime math is involved, I was all over it. Especially when I could critique my body. I was all game for that. Um, oh my gosh. But I think a lot of it was just because of that like weight centric education that it was tough 
to get out of that mindset and not think so much about our bodies. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. To hear more about this, go tune into that episode. We talk about what we struggled with during college in terms of our relationship with food, but to kind of tie it back into our main episode, like point today, like why we became dietitians. I think I like led with us at the beginning, but it really was all about like making ourselves quote unquote healthier, AKA smaller. And then of course, like our desire to help others want to eat quote unquote healthier, AKA lose weight and defeat obesity, which we've discussed before on here too. Yeah. So I feel like in college, we continued to have that mindset. And like, we felt like we would be able to do that, like help ourselves eat healthier and help others eat healthier because we were learning about just that, like BMI and calculating that and like doing the like body fat assessments in all, like all of our HK classes and doing like the skin fold tests oh, and everything. Yes. Like we always had a reason to be thinking about our body. And so that just like continued to motivate us to be dietitians because what we wanted to do in the first place was to do exactly what we were learning about. So it's not like we wanted to learn how to lose weight in college and then like got slapped in the face and said, it's not what it's like to be a dietitian. We were told like, this is what it's like to be a dietitian is you help everyone else lose weight. And so we thought we made a good choice and maybe we still feel that way in certain ways, but I don't know. I just feel like it, the fire kept being fueled until the very end. Yes. I think that's a very good way to put it. Like luckily we had a really great professor who exposed us or like what is the word I'm looking for introduced us exposed us introduced us into the world of like intuitive eating and we were kind of like those seeds were planted there that definitely helped us in the future but like besides that class everywhere we went it was like BMI obesity fat body fat percentage malnutrition mm. overweight related what like we're just constantly in it and constantly thinking about it i don't yeah. think it really changed till we were out of school and i would no. include that in my grad school too and like our internships like you're still talking about that especially if you well i guess we all do we have clinicals where you're exposed to other members of the healthcare team which we both currently still work in a healthcare facility and everyone who works in healthcare knows that it is very weight centric, which we also discussed in the podcast as well before. And so, yeah, like even in the internship, you're talking to others who are promoting weight loss. And I did a rotation like with weight management. And so I was seeing that like specifically. So like you said, it wasn't until like I put in my notes, like about a year ago, if even that, that I like feel like I fully form my frontal lobe and like <laughs> and like in the same mindset that I'm at now where I feel the most understanding about like intuitive eating health at every size and I can like look back and see like how all the stuff we learned in the past maybe wasn't as well-rounded as it could have been I think I'm in a similar boat where it's like once you hit 25 and that frontal lobe <laughs> develops so much more makes sense like after that a lot did change I don't think this is understanding of intuitive eating. I think I'm still in recovery. I don't know if you're ever like completely recovered from disordered eating, but like 
It's still not great, but it's much better. I think that's a good point to bring up too. Like our own personal relationship is always changing. Like with food and exercise, I mean, Mm -hmm. it always will. Like, like you said, there is no way to fully overcome that kind of thing when we live in a world that's always talking about it. And you've got friends and family talking about their bodies and food and everything. But I think the way that we counsel other people and work with others and the content we create, I think that's been the most drastic change in the last couple of years after college. Like we looked back on an old episode recently and like, that was just like completely mind blowing to see how differently we talked about like diet culture and clients and that sort of thing, which we hope to do more of those look back episodes in season eight. So uh, stay tuned for (laughs) some more cringe factor. Yeah, it'll be good. Let's talk about where we are now, like currently. Yeah. Career wise, <laughs> kind of a loaded like, question. Do you do you regret becoming a dietitian? So this, I feel like you know my answer. Yes, and I am going to say yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and like if I could do it again, I would not become a dietitian. And it's not because I don't enjoy what I do now. Like I have wonderful patients. I love our podcast. I really enjoy educating on like the nutrition we talk about, like food freedom, intuitive eating, weight inclusivity. Um, but there's a lot that comes with being a dietitian that I think only dietitians understand that sometimes it's just annoying and tiresome. And I'm like, why didn't I just go into business <laughs> and did some silly little Excel sheet job with math? Mm, that would be good and for you. That would have been really, I think I'd be thriving. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I would, I do regret it. But at this point, I'm like so stubborn. I'm like, I'm this far in. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, we're going to make this work. And that's what we're yep. doing. Yeah. At least I think that's what we're doing. Yeah. We can like, that's, that is the one good thing about being a dietitian is you can manipulate it into a lot of different things and make it what you want. It's much easier said than done to do that. You can't just like snap your fingers and have your dream dietitian job, unfortunately, but it is possible to do something that maybe you didn't think you wanted to do when you first became an RD because we both wanted to be sports RDs. And obviously we are not doing that now. So we had to kind of like figure out what we wanted to do and then like figure out how to make that actually happen too, which is a whole other battle. Yeah. Do you regret being a dietitian? Exact same answer. (laughs) Yes. Exact same answer and all the same reasonings too. It's like, I, I love what I'm doing currently went through a real rough time in the beginning, the first like three years of being a dietitian, but I finally feel like I'm in a place now where it's like what I was hoping for aside from being a sports RD, which I don't think I regret not being a sports RD. I think it would have been so cool, but like, there's so much that you have to like do to get there that it's just like silly, which we could do a whole episode on that with another sports RD. Probably that'd be kind of fun actually. Yeah. But anyway, I'm at a place now where I feel like satisfied in general with the type of work that I'm doing. And so that helps. But if I had to do it again, I would not 
become a dietitian either because of all that you have to go through and how unworth it it can easily be unless you do create something that you really feel passionate about. I feel like that's the key and why we're semi okay because yeah. <laughs> we've created pro- like passion projects that we actually care about that we can utilize our qualifications for um, that we feel good in but a lot of like the traditional dietitian jobs like all the work you have the- to do to get to that and then what you get compensated for once you're there it's just not worth it yeah. especially more so starting this year oh my gosh 2024 with the master's requirement coming into play yep what a time to be alive what a time be a dietetic student we I just feel for we, all of them oh yeah like we just didn't get told in the upfront like what all it was going to entail and what the outcome would likely look like yeah. I don't know. We talked about it before a million times on here, I know, but it's a frustrating experience when there's other professions that are much more regulated than ours. Yeah. But are very similar in terms of what they do. It's like the same workload, same education, like amount of education, much different quality of life after graduation. <laughs> much different. Yes. It's a good way to put it. Oh, <laughs> it. Yeah. But yeah. all in all, I would say, honestly, for anyone who's like contemplating becoming a dietitian or if like you're a dietetic student, I would like say, because looking back at all of it now, the two driving things that led me to being a dietitian were my obsession. We're going to say obsession because I, like back then I would just say like, oh, I like food. No, it was an obsession with nutrition and I wanted to help people. And I do not believe that those two things are strong enough reasons to become a dietitian now. Like, yep. Just because you like food and you want to help people. That's so true. That's like my exact reason too. Like I am a helpful person, which I think goes back to childhood. I don't know if I can call it trauma, but childhood trauma will say like how you're raised, of course, can play a really big role in that oldest daughter's problems. And then, yeah, like wanting to eat healthy, learn about nutrition. Like those aren't good enough reasons to be a dietitian because you can do that in so many other positions that might be a better fit for your lifestyle and like what you're hoping for. Mm -hmm. Hmm. But we're here. We're making the most of it. We love, yeah, we love you guys. We love our TUD. We love getting to talk about the things we're talking about now. It's just kind of a bummer that we had to like fight so hard to get to this place. Hmm. Our story times are always such bummers. We need to do a fun we story time. happy story times. Season eight, look out for a happy story. Night. Yeah, we'll do a happy story. We can also do a happy look back, like look back on an episode. Where we're like, yes, yes. They are so smart. I love them. <laughs> yeah, I will know we were, I'm, I want to say were, we are still very smart, but I look back at the things that we like since we've collaborated on so many projects together, most of the work is both of ours together. You're so smart. We were so smart. I was like, where did that come from? You have to literally survive and get a degree. (laughs) You have to be smart. And I look back at like things we wrote. I'm like, hello? Like our lab lab reports. I'm like, like case studies. Okay, little STEM majors. 
so insane. I could not, I could, I do not want to do <laughs> a case study, a lab report, calculate a tube feed. I'm good. We put our talents elsewhere now. Yes. But we also didn't learn how to do all the things we do now. Like if you would have told me I would like be editing YouTube videos and like hosting a podcast and that's true. Having a website that I ran myself, like mm-hmm. it's crazy how like our, our smarts have just completely like shifted. They're just looking, they're expressing themselves a little bit more differently. Exactly. It's pretty crazy. It's kind of a bummer that we didn't get to like, just continue to build our smarts in the same way. Cause imagine how smart we'd be now. We'd be so smart with those things, (laughs) but it's okay. 10 years from now, we're going to have the best podcast in the entire world. We're so, we're so smart. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We just hype each other up. We need, this is why we have Bobby and Ross. keep us humble they keep us humble (laughs) legit like literally they really do i tell bobby keeps me in line he checks my ego multiple times (laughs) me too if ross heard us saying this right now he'd roll his eyes so hard if he knew that we were calling each other so smart (laughs) they'd be very fed up with us they'd probably bring up how we failed the class i'd be like you know what yeah um i learned recently that ross took chess in college so that's what he was doing while we were bawling our eyes Is out. Is that what they're doing at IU? <laughs> econ and business major was playing chess. Like, damn you. Wow. Yeah. Is he good? At, can he still do He's it He's so now? good. He taught me how to play recently over like Christmas time. I it's- get very frustrated. We all know that I hate being bad at things. I like to win. I'm very competitive. Yeah. So is Ross. And he's also very good at chess. Taking a whole semester of it does that to you. So I've yet to win a game and he's very good, which is unfortunate for me. Hmm. Well, now you can just practice. Yes. And then if we're ever out in the wild and <laughs> someone challenges. I know how to play. Like I've always wanted to learn how. So now I'm glad I like know all the rules and stuff. That's all I really yeah. needed. I don't it's need to true. be good. That's mostly a. I'm saying that to myself. You don't just get everything. <laughs> you're convincing yourself. Do I believe that to be true? No, but I'm going to say it. But you're going to say it again until you. Yeah, it's good mm-hmm. practice. Speak it into existence. Exactly. <laughs> well, this was a good reflection. I feel like I agree. It was. I think it's fun to look at kind of how our career interests changed and how that got us to where we are now. Because I think if we told either like high school, even college selves us, what we're doing right now, they would probably be like, what the actual F are you doing? Yeah. They'd be like, we learned so much about sports nutrition for this. <laughs> like, do you know how much time you put into your, do you know how much you volunteer? How much free labor you <laughs> put much- out there? <laughs> or this? I feel like it's okay. I don't regret it. I I loved no. the sports stuff we learned in college. That oh, was super yeah. fun, actually. That was not that was not time that I regret spending unpaid. No, it was very cool. Yeah, and like a crazy experience. Yeah, that was not great. That was good. Out. Shout out to the sports RDs at Purdue. Gosh, season seven finale. Make sure you guys hang out for season eight. But we've got some throwback stuff coming in the next few weeks. So hopefully you enjoy those. 
And be sure to tune into our bonus question today. We're going to be talking about, as you know, we both regret becoming dietitians. So we're going to be talking about what our alternative career path would have been. <laughs> so yeah, it wasn't a bad idea that. to say that out loud, probably, but it's fine. You know what? I think a lot of people, especially dietitians, are thinking it. And based off what we've seen online in the like dietitian groups, I think... I don't want to say the majority, but there's a decent amount of people that don't love it. And I think that's okay to look back on. Also, we made these career decisions when we were 17 years old. So stupid. So you can, you can barely trust, trust our judgment to that, what we knew, what we wanted to do. Like we've said, our frontal lobes didn't develop until seven years later. (laughs) So excuse us for maybe not choosing our, our life path correctly at 17. Yeah. We're doing the best we we could. (laughs) Anyway, go hang out on YouTube, watch all the videos there and we'll see you guys in season eight. All right. Bye guys. Thank you so much for tuning in on this episode of the upbeat dietitians with your host, Emily Krause and Hannah Thompson. We appreciate you all so much for continuing to support us. In order to support us and sustain the success of this podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. If you'd like to provide us feedback for future episodes and guest stars, follow us on Instagram at The Upbeat Dietitians. Lastly, you can show us support by providing a monthly donation using the link at the end of our bio. Once again, thank you so much for listening today and stay tuned next Wednesday for a new episode. Until then, we hope you have a wonderful rest of your week.